My name is Victoria Carr. And my name is Olatz Monpeo. And you're listening to the Researcher's Code podcast, where we interview women who are pushing the boundaries of tech in scientific research. On today's episode, we head off to Imperial College London to talk to Dr. Caroline Morton, teaching medics how to code. So we'll be discussing with her why it's important to code, why in particular medics is important to code for them, and what we can learn as well. She's a GP registered in East London, but also a clinical education fellow at Imperial College London. Welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me. Great. So... I just wanted to start off by asking you, what's your background? So you're a clinician who has now gone on to talk, teach coding courses to medics around London. So can you just describe to me a bit about your background and how you got into coding in the first place? Um, yeah, that's fine. I am, so I'm a GP registrar um, based in East London in Tower Hamlets and um, which I really love and I'm also um, here at Imperial College for one day a week uh, sometimes more Mm. um, and I mainly teach programming courses to medical students and biomedical science students. Um, I do a few other things within the college um, but that's my main focus um, for the time that I'm at Imperial. After you, I was always quite interested in research and statistics, mm-hmm. um, but after um, you have to do foundation year one and two after you graduate from medical school, which I did, and then I knew I wanted to have a bit of time out and I wanted to do something a bit more statistical. Um, so I went to uh, the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine and did epidemiology part-time. Um, and through that, I found that there was a lot of um, statistical programming using Stata, using R, mm-hmm. um, which I really, really loved. And from there, it was a very natural step into learning programming. I was also um, employed here midway through that. And there was an opportunity to do a research project that looked at should we be teaching medical students, medical students programming. Um, and through that, I sort of then developed, I had two good reasons to go and learn programming. Nice. And so what kind of programming languages did you learn? Um, so in terms of different programming languages, I'm mainly using Python at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I use SQL um, quite a bit as well, which I, I do love. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that the majority of the things that I do nowadays are in Python. Um, with regards to the, the statistical side of it, um, I use, I guess it's not strictly a programming language, but I can use Stata. Mm-hmm. And I've used R a fair bit in the past. Um, but to be honest, Python can do everything that I need it to do. Yeah, so what do you enjoy about Python? What's attractive about this language? It's just very logical. Uh, There's always something, you know, there's always something new to learn. Um, So I think one of the the things I found with Stata, for example, I don't know if you've ever used Stata, um, you sort of, you reach what you need to do very quickly and then there's sort of nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. Whereas Python, you know, I feel like I've been programming for a few years now and I've only, sort of barely scratch the surface of what it can actually do um, and so for that it's really appealing you don't have to learn a new um, language every time you want to do a new task it's very very mm-hmm. versatile the libraries are great there's a really good community and documentation around the programming um, and I think it's relatively easy to kind of get stuck in 
and um, with your programming, do you use it while you are working as a clinician? So n- it depends. Okay. Um, I'm obviously not programming in front of patients or yeah. anything like that, but there's a lot of things that you have to do, especially when you're a junior doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, audits are a common thing where you would audit the practice mm-hmm. of your practice mm-hmm. or hospital ward or something like that. So discharge letters would be a common one. Um, and you know traditionally we've all had to do these and we've all done them by hand which is very laborious you used to have to do one a year they've actually got rid of that now Um, but a lot of these things can be automated using programming and so that's more what I'm thinking of now okay Um, but with regards to I guess my clinical practice I'm thinking a bit more widely about useful web apps for patients or for clinicians and I've got a few little projects going on true so what kind of apps are you developing in your practice at the moment or hoping Um, to develop yeah so I would say I'm I'm still at the early stage of of learning how to build web apps Um, so I don't have kind of a main project at the moment I'm just dipping in and out so I'm building um, with another programmer who's a nurse who's now in fintech um, Maxwell Flitton he we're building some SQL tools like a driver tool that you could use with Flask um, so we've been working on that and from we're using uh, it's a bit technical I guess but we're using git sub modules so that the idea if it's a really good uh, bit of code we can then submodule it into lots of different projects um, the other thing is I'm supervising a few different um, medical student or oh. biomedical students projects and so I'm sort of seeing what they're doing so there's a really exciting one again I'm only um, I'm not even co-supervising I'm just sort of keeping an eye on um, a few students they are working with uh, Finn Catling who works who's another junior doctor who works at UCL and he's developing a web app looking at um, your risk your risk prediction after uh, laparoscopic surgery I think that's right yeah nice. some sort of abdominal surgery that's exciting so you you mentioned that you're you're um, keeping in touch with medics who are doing applications and programming so why do you think it's important for medics to learn to code and why are you so passionate about teaching coding to medics so i think if you speak to most junior doctors and and certainly most consultants or gps we've all had the experience of working with technology which just isn't fit to purpose you know uh, it takes 70 different clicks on a on a mouse Mm -hmm. and you know some special commands to admit a patient to hospital there's lots of things I've worked in lots of different hospitals and they're all got the same problems and that the IT system just doesn't quite do the things it should and I think what we've really identified is um, I say we that's Matt Williams who is a consultant oncologist who I run this course with what we've really identified is we don't have clinicians who are able to have useful conversations with the people who develop software. So software engineers, computer scientists, um, and even data analysts. But on the other side, they really want proper, they want sort of, not proper projects, but they want real life projects, um, but they don't have the domain knowledge of medicine. And so what we're, we're not, we're actually not saying we everybody should learn how to program. I think everyone should be computer literate mm-hmm. to some degree, but in terms of programming, 
Um, I don't think everyone needs to know that, but you need a small cohort of people who can facilitate those useful, useful conversations and to know what's possible with programming and also what's not possible with programming. Because I think to someone who's not involved in it, it's not necessarily clear what mm -hmm. those lines are. And we spend quite a lot of time on the, the course that we teach here talking about that. Um, what is uh, the gender ratio in your class? It's pretty 50-50, actually. Mm -hmm. um, there perhaps are slightly, slightly more boys, um, but it's pretty even. Is it compulsory, your course? It's not compulsory, it's, it's oh, optional. Okay. Um, okay. So it's part of their fourth year. Um, if you're a medic, you can intercalate, which means you have a year out of of the medical school environment okay. actually you're still often in within the medical school yeah. physically um, and you join a final year BSc program um, with the biomedical science students and then you graduate with that with that year and so it forms a module within that okay um, so we've got people who've done all sorts of different degrees for the first two modules so neuroscience haematology um, what other ones do they have? Surgery and cancer, that sort of thing, or surgery and anaesthesia. Um, and then they come instead of a dissertation and do our module. So it's definitely not compulsory. Okay. Um, nice. But I think, you know, it may well not represent the intake of medical schools, however, because mm. there are, we are now reaching a stage where there's many more women applying to medical school and getting mm. into medical school than okay. men. So the fact that we maybe have a more of an even split, I'm not sure if that is representative oh, of okay. the whole ah. country's intake um, in terms of gender. But I believe, and I may be corrected on this, but I believe that Imperial has a, a more of an even split. Um, so yeah, nice. In terms of Great. the entrance. <laughs> I mean, medics have to do so much already. So have, have there been any barriers uh, for you um, maybe talking to maybe more senior clinicians about persuading them that coding is really very useful for, for their line of work? So I think uh, generally it's been pretty positively received. Um, you know, it's a great institution to be able to... Um, where there's obviously such a focus on science and technology at mm. this college that we're able to have those conversations relatively easily. I think within the wider NHS, I've certainly had conversations with people who who may perhaps don't, it's, it's maybe not immediately obvious why it's useful for medical students to know a bit of programming. And But, you know, people are generally pretty open to it, I would mm -hmm. say. I think, you know, it's very, very different for, um, particularly the medical students, mm -hmm. it's very different to what they've done previously. Um, and, really we've designed the course so it's very skill focused yeah. rather than uh, knowledge focused and a lot of medical school of course is about acquiring a huge amount of knowledge you know the 10 causes of clubbing the mm -hmm. five causes of abdominal pain i don't know whatever <laughs> there's yeah. lots and lots of different obviously there's right. more than five um but it's very you have to rely on your memory a fair amount and this is really different to that and, um, and we do talk to students about how that can feel uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And do you think that maybe, because you teach at like fourth, fourth year, do you mm -hmm. think that maybe people should start learning before, like at first or second year, so they can carry on? 
learning all like the med school like mm-hmm. through that yeah we had lots of debate um so myself and matt williams who um sat this course we had lots of debate about what where we should put it in the medical school um, and actually it was partly a practical decision that it would go into fourth year because it's a kind of easy place to put it mm-hmm. um, because they do have this time to go away and do a dissertation and so you have a section of time which you can then use if you imagine if you're taking it out of the first and second year then what's going to come out of the curriculum mm-hmm. so that you can put something else in um, and that's very difficult that being said, we do teach first and second year medical students programming because we have a weekend course called Coding for Medicine, which we hopefully are about to run for the eighth eighth time mm-hmm. um, in this summer. So we run it twice a year. And um, that is really an introduction to programming for people who are doing research or are medical students or doctors, you know, more or less a very wide range of people who can come and we've had first year medical students all the way up to professors come to the course and they're all in one classroom together um so we do teach them but that's more is on a weekend you have to give up your weekend to come to it and we say right off the bat it's a very i mean the learning curve is basically vertical yeah um because it's a really rapid run through of getting started with programming and really that was um matt williams's that was his brainchild and that was initially the projects that i came on board with to do a research project around whether it was a valuable thing to do to teach programming and uh, Mm -hmm. and, yeah and what kind of feedback have you got from these courses Um, we've got generally very positive feedback Mm. so people are very interested in this and really the reason that the course was initially set up is to get you over that first little starting hurdle because there's so much online isn't there to go and teach yourself programming but you can get really unstuck at just the first bit so simple things like installing python there's always every time we run the course there's one machine that a student brings that we basically can't install (laughs) python on it for whatever reason um the last time i think it was a chromebook Um, (laughs) but there's always something which happens and so if you get stuck at that stage when you're at home and you're doing a programming course that's really disheartening because you just Mm. can't get any further and so we hopefully try and get people past that step and actually a lot of what the course is a lot of what Matt talks about, um, certainly on the Sunday, which is the last day, he just he spends a lot of time talking about where to go next. So you've done this little thing, you've learned how to do functions, you know that classes exist, you know what types mm. are, you know what variables are. Okay, where do you go from here? Mm. And that is a really useful talk, I think, within the second day, just pointing people in the right direction. So telling people what's they don't know so what they know what they don't know and they know how to go and find more information that supplements what they've learned yeah and I think we've got such a diverse audience who come to these courses that you can't expect you know you can't if you've got a PhD project that's on genomic data Mm -hmm. we can't realistically teach you um, how to interpret your genomic data how to manage it first of all I mean I don't know very much about uh, genomic medicine I mean mm-hmm. zero pretty much um, so we've got a very diverse audience and diverse uh, students and so they need a little bit of basics and then they can go off and find something which is much more 
you know, appropriate to the domain that they're working in. So clearly, if you're doing machine learning in vision, it's not the same thing as, mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, I guess genomic medicine. Then yeah. they're very, very different, and you would use different libraries, different tools. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. But it's get good to get the kind of the groundwork and like the computational thinking. Yeah, it's really interesting because the first time the <laughs> we ran the course, um, we hadn't occurred to us that people wouldn't be able to find the command line. So that was a real oh, learning yeah. curve because the first yeah. session was well, open the command line, and there were just lots of blank looks. Mm -hmm. um, so now, you know, we've learned what needs to come first, what needs to come second. Um, and it does slightly change every time we run the course, but you know, the, we try and get through the, the basics. Mm -hmm. Cool. Is there a website, by the way? There is. Or like a registration. Yeah, we. It's a bit complicated at the moment. We've got um, a, we've got a website at, on Imperial's website where you can you find out more and yeah. you can pay for the course, and then we also have our own website. Um, because we're probably going to start running some private courses mm. and that is um, computational, I think, hyphen medicine.com. So, I mean, do learning medicine is a lot of like fact learning and reciting like anatomy and things like that. And I don't, I'm not an expert, but I've just seen some of my medic friends do this when they're revising. So, but whereas programming, it's very logical and it's not so much memory based. So you mentioned that these two things are quite different in thought process. So what do you prefer? Are you like a good general all-rounder? Like you're, you're a problem solver, but you also like learning the facts as well. I mean, it's always good to have a, have a good basis of knowledge. Um, but I think increasingly it's important to have skill, um, you know, whether that's in medicine or whether that, you know, examining a patient would be a medical skill or computational skill I think that for me is the thing that I prefer at the moment because actually you can't possibly keep up to date with everything that's coming out you know just 40,000 new cancer articles a month like how you could mm -hmm. there's no possibility that you could you know keep up to date with that so I think skill is really important those basic skills we all fall back on you know examining a patient um and then being able to know it's a skill in itself to go know where to look stuff up. I don't think it's necessarily a good idea to retain everything in your head. You obviously need some basic knowledge. Yes. Um, but I think increase and I, actually I think as we go through you know, through the years and science becomes more and more complicated and we learn more and more about what the human body is doing in disease and, and in health, I don't think it's possible that we're gonna be able to retain that. And actually, all, pretty much all junior doctors I know now have a smartphone. And I've got, you know, eight or nine different medical apps on it mm -hmm. that, you know, I look it up. I don't keep the antibiotic guidelines in my head. I look up what the local policy is mm -hmm. from the guidelines. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, for me, really works. But you do come across doctors who will just know it. Um, so what advice would you give to um, people like, possibly more women and minorities mm -hmm. and maybe working in medicine because that's what you specialize in what advice would you give to them if they want to start coding for the first time so it's just about getting started I think I guess it depends on what type of person you are but for myself personally I'm really motivated to go and learn something if I can think of a use to it so certainly when I was starting out programming I would think oh I wonder if I could build a whatever uh, a model that works out 
this particular answer and then I would use that as a way to go and find out how to do that and then you pick up skills along the way so I remember one of my early projects was making an MCQ generator for and it was actually for me to revise and it was a way for me to revise by also learning programming and I found that really helpful uh, but that's very nerdy, so maybe nice. <laughs> maybe that's not for everybody. So, like, random questions coming up with the multiple yeah. choice. Oh, awesome. Nice. And, you know, in, during the time when I was writing the exam, the multiple choice questions, I was obviously learning. It was a way of revising as well. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of getting started, there's so many free websites out there or a lot of the great um, coding kind of education resources have free trials um, or very very cheap so I think things like Treehouse, um, Udemy, Coursera, mm -hmm. even YouTube they've got some really great stuff on there. Um, I wouldn't say that there's a huge amount in terms of learning particularly medical stuff with with sort of programming in mind. That being said we did write a book <laughs> for um, called Coding for Medics, um, oh, Computational Medicine which was essentially this problem of there not being a particular resource that you could use that is for doctors and for medical students um, to learn programming. So a lot of the examples, you know, certainly when you learn Python, a lot of the examples are, well, use this data set that is to do with cars or <laughs> flowers. You know, it's, it's a really great one, but mm. I don't think if you're learning programming, it's necessarily, it's hard to sort of extrapolate to your patients who've got <laughs> COPD or something. True, true. Um, so we tried to write something which was had much more medical examples of, well, actually, why don't you try and write a calculator where you can take in someone's height and weight and work out their BMI? Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, sound like trivial examples, but are actually a good way for you to think about your sort of domain and, and what you might use your programming for and then build up from there. Um, and then we've also, we've also got the course here. Yeah. But there's loads and loads of stuff online. I mean, it's really great. And just talk to your friends. Yeah. I mean, it'd be great to have an online community as well of doctors who, or even medical students who are really interested in programming. And hopefully that will come more and more. You are listening to the Researchers Code podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcasting platform you use. Also, if you could give us a rating, that would be really helpful for other people finding us.